This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I break down the final stand of longtime evil interlude and book three bad guy, Orin Vrood. Of course, we answer some listener questions as well. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. Yep, back. Not quite in the studio. We're in the uh, the uh, my office, the secondary studio. Some call it. It's also soundproofed, so you might know this as the location from where uh, Griffin works, from or, where I work, or for <laughs> where you watch us do drunken disquarterly. Disquarterly. Um, sometimes we stream games from here. Yeah, notably, sometimes we stream from Fall here. Guys. Um, sometimes we eat White Castle in the office. You know. Sometimes you have to eat White Castle in the office, okay? It's just one of those things where it doesn't really make sense not to. Yeah. I mean, where was I going to eat it? Downstairs in the kitchen? Don't be ridiculous. I I mean, I'm trying not to be. I feel like that's just not how White Castle's done. No. It's it's an on-the-go burger for an on-the-go man. Yeah, I mean, you can carry two in one hand. Yeah. Come on. What are you doing? For when you need to slide into... A new meal. Oh, dear God. Grab a White Castle slider. We're not endorsed by them yet. And I say yet deliberately. Deliberately because their headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. We're coming for them, yeah. <laughs> or because we're notorious White Castle eaters. <laughs> they they know us, man. They know us around here. I feel like that's the next step because hams never really latched on. I was waiting for hams to latch on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've been wishy-washy through this whole process. I'm not going to give up. I, I wouldn't give up either, but what I will say is that I think Big Seltzer knows that they have us in their pockets. Yeah, we don't have much of a choice there. Yeah, We don't really have a leg to stand on with the neg- negotiations with Big Seltzer. But, I mean, White Castle, not everybody has it. I know. I mean, people are people are talking a big game about Crystal or whatever bullshit. Um, I'm not even going to entertain that. I won't talk about that <laughs> fast food chain here because it is not White Castle. So, you know, I think White Castle has room to grow as far as an American institution. They only had yeah. one movie about them. That's true. And I, I, I would I would venture to say that um, look at the way 2020 is going. I don't think um, it's unreasonable to think that after um, governments start falling, fast food chains will as well. And I think there is going to be a power vacuum once you see one of the one of the big institutions like a McDonald's or a Burger King go down. Someone's got to fill that void and that void might get filled with a dirty 30 of sliders. Dirty 30 of sliders. I think it, for my money. Burger King is the most likely to fall out of the big, in my opinion, the big three, as far as burger joints is um, McDonald's, Burger King and Wendy's as far as just like reach. Mm -hmm. And Wendy's does a lot. Oh, they're also headquarters headquartered in Columbus. Yeah. But Wendy's does a lot uh, to differentiate themselves. And I don't think, I mean, what do you have from Burger King that's different? Like chicken fries? Well, well, those are bad. Those are uh, bad, but they're different. What What I think I will say about Burger King is what I've seen is they've been they seem to be a little quicker to jump on the like Impossible Burger kind of kind of meat. That's true. Yeah. Which which is which is a very good thing, and I th- I, I would be um, 
I'd be pleasantly surprised if that helps them get a little bit of uh, momentum going. But I, that's that kind of stuff is just a matter of time before the other two pick it up if they haven't already. I mean, my, my thought process behind that, though, is that that can only get you so far in the fast mm-hmm. food industry because by and large, the people that are uh, interested in the Impossible Burger are normally pretty good cooks. When you're a uh, vegetarian and vegan, yeah, I mean, nine times out of 10, and this is just, you know, from a perspective of somebody that's observed people that are vegetarians and vegans, they tend to be, uh, because they have to go out of their way to work with different ingredients, tend to be very good cooks. Sure. And on top of that, um, they just have other options that aren't necessarily like the fast food options mm-hmm. that I feel like, I feel like that's never going to be a, a vegan person's first choice. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to go to Burger King so I can get an impossible burger and diet cheese. Like it, I don't see that being a huge boon. Mm-hmm. And from the other side of the coin, like the, the people that regularly go to a Burger King, et cetera, aren't generally the people that are like, well, I may not be a vegetarian or vegan, but I'll try this in pot. Like, no, they're no, going to get a Whopper, no. dude. That's like, true. That's what they're there for. Um, I have very, some very fond memories of, of me in grade school. Me and my buddies would go to Burger King and, and uh, challenge each other to get triple Whoppers. And let me tell you, that's a difficult sandwich to finish. That is a large sandwich. <laughs> Well, we've we've gone on. This was all on on the agenda. Definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what are you drinking, Steve? Oh, great question, Griffin. I am finishing a. Uh, it's a beer called Bane of Existence. It's an IPA. This is from that uh, Hitchhiker Brewing place that you brought back a bunch of really tasty beers from. So I believe I've had this one before. It's really really good. I appreciate you sharing it with me. And it's a it's a little bit of a tall boy, Griff. Yeah, it's a tall boy, and I think it's a nine percenter, my dude. So, oh no, <laughs> watch well, yourself. If I do get through that, then I'm going to uh, a classic citrus surf from Wolf's Ridge Brewing. Um, but maybe I shouldn't because if that's a nine percenter. I'll be in trouble soon. It'll be okay, it's um, it's past noon. It's five o'clock. It's five o'clock somewhere here. Five it's, o'clock here's here. where it's five o'clock. Perfect. And Griff, return the favor, buddy. What are you drinking? Well, you actually. Brought me something. So uh, you brought me a key lime with lemon and coconut hard seltzer. It's called the Flashlight, I guess. And it's from Noctera Brewing, which is out in Powell, which is real close to us. You know, I had never heard of this place before. I don't know if they're new or what, but when I was uh, making a booze stop today on the way over, um, the grocery store by my place had a ton of different varietals of their, their seltzers and regular beers. They all have like cool moth designs on them. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. So I'm going to give them a shot. I, yeah, I, I think they, the key I think line was very a, good. I think they have a Mothman beer as well. Mm. Uh, but I've heard good things about them because right when the pandemic hit, uh, a lot of the breweries around here were doing the, hey, you can buy a case and we'll mm-hmm. deliver it or you can come pick it up or whatever. And Noctera got on that trend actually before uh, Wolf's Ridge did. Yeah. And people were trying their beer because they're out in Powell, so they're not really like the tap room in Columbus that people are going to. But people were raving in the I'm, I'm on like the R Columbus subreddit and stuff. People sure. were raving about their beer, and really? it, it seemed like a lot of people's first time having it. So I actually haven't had any of their beer, but if these seltzers are any indication, 
killer. Now we have another flavor of seltzer. Did you bring that one up? I too? did bring it up. That's my that's my sidearm. So my sidearm is their uh, tropical five alive tangerine apricot pink guava pineapple and passion fruit. That sounds so good. Yes. Well, whenever you do break into that second beer, we got to stop the production and you got to tell us how it is. Okay. Yeah, I will. I will. Our, and, and at this point, I think now is a good time for um, us to recognize that uh, I'm not in charge of the music this time because we're recording in the office. Yep, we're in the office, and unfortunately, the mixer doesn't allow us to play live music. Yeah, which is a bummer, but that means that uh, Griff is going to put in a track in the background for, for everybody to listen to. Is it good? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> Hashtag, it's good. What was Hashtag, it? Steve's body is not a temple. Those are your two options. <laughs> well, we know what people are going to be hashtagging. Uh, Griff, let's get to the matter at hand here. Today, there's not a whole lot on the agenda, but I think it's because we've got some pretty deep topics to discuss. Um, first of all, let's get it out of the way. What's going on in your life, man? Quarantine updates. Got any, anything new in your life? Well, you guys helped me insulate my garage last weekend, and mm-hmm. um, I feel we, like we all should have been quarantined after that because I was I was itchy as fuck, itchy as yeah. shit. Yes, but uh, that's that's like part two from last zone of truth. Um, talk about the you know attic, going upstairs yeah. into the attic, and so we're insulating it. We're gonna. I have almost all of my materials to finish the home gym, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna have a nice. Uh, power rack we're gonna have a lifting platform we got a bar we got some nice collars we got about 500 some pounds of uh bumper plates and some change plates and um it's gonna be it's gonna be the hideous lifters out there hell yeah you know i got i got chris uh subscribed for during the week you sounded mm-hmm. like you were interested on the weekends to to bump out a couple oh, for sure. uh, couple reps in the in the hideous lifter gym listen we're here to get huge and I mean, we'll be lifting, but we will look pretty hideous. So. It's, been, it's been two years and we have not gotten huge from podcasting, so we better get huge in the garage. Maybe that's the new angle, that we're going to start looking better, so more people will tune in to our stuff. I think, I think we got to start looking better before we start consistently streaming. Yeah, we should have done, you're right, we should have done that first before we started doing, like, streaming stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it hurts because... You know, our podcast is a drinking one, and so those are empty calories. So we gotta we gotta work around that somehow. But uh, but besides the the gym going on, I've been watching uh, Netflix's Seven Deadly Sins, which mm-hmm. has been uh, an interesting anime. Yeah, I popped in uh, last night when we were hanging out and watched about twenty minutes of of it with you, and uh, it certainly is an anime. Pretty wild. Yeah, there's uh. There's some tones of uh, some strange sexual overtones uh, in there, and and the characters are kind of. I mean, it's it's a, it follows all the classic anime tropes, all right. So if you like anime, you'd like it. But all right, uh, glowing recommendation from Griffin there. Listen, kind okay, of there's, there's seven like deadly sins, but it. guess what? The sins are the good guys, and then there's ten commandments, and guess what? Those are the bad guys. Who could have seen that flip happening? I would say that's pretty off script. That's pretty wild. I would never expect that from an anime. <laughs> what about you, Steve? What have you been up to? Well, I'll tell you what, man. I got a couple things I want to talk about. I did finish Community and forgot how heartbreaking that series finale is. Very, very good. 
Um, but that's in my rear view mirror. I don't know what I'm going to watch next, but I'm going to watch something. I need my half hour shows. Yep. Uh, could be anime. could be something else. We'll see. Um, on the video game front, Griff, I'm playing a spooky one. I'm playing that Resident Evil 7. Oh, the new, is that the newest one? The newest one, yeah. I think it came out last year, about. Yeah. Um, but big big switch in the formula. It's first person. Um, it, 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 it seems to, to be a much more intimate story. Basically, you're just a person who goes down to Louisiana trying to find your, your wife who's been gone, missing for three years, and you find this, this manor, and... Uh, there's a really creepy family living in there. Find Xantos Loachwood. Pretty much. Even in the bayou. Like like pretty much, yes. Um and I'll tell you I'll tell you what, Griff. It is uh I'm not sure if I'm going to finish it. I really want to. Because but Too it scary? is Oh, it's fucking terrifying, man. It's really, really scary. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna put my best effort forward. Um, I do like horror video games, but I always have difficulty finishing them because they just stress me out too much. And I'm like, this is not why I'm playing games. I'm enjoying this, but I'm stressed and I'm trying to de-stress. So we'll see. Uh, enjoying it so far. And I heard there's a VR version of it. Oh, God. And that's a huge fuck that from me. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, lastly, I started season two of The Boys. Oh, yeah. I haven't started it yet. Uh, I've been waiting to watch it with Haley fucking wonderful it's so good so uh that's all i wanted to say i've been enjoying that and uh they're back to their old shenanigans those boys those boys mm -hmm. boys boys wow you're going going deep with the with the references here tonight the deep cuts today um but let's circle back for a second to your loachworth comment yeah because we got a, a, just a hair bit of housekeeping to do right here before we jump into the actual meat of this episode and that's to let you all know, if you didn't hear already, the Hideous Tom Foolery's back. Yeah. New chunk of episodes. How many are there? Like seven or eight or something? Uh, the, the new episodes? I mm -hmm. think there's six or seven. I think we went from 18 to 23. I, I'm not sure off Yeah, six but, episodes. But yeah, we... Uh, so... Griffin myself got back together with some of the fine folks from Southern Tomfoolery. We have pushed into book two of Attack on the Attack of the Swarm. Um, all your favorites are back, better than ever, and it's a huge change of pace from book one. Yeah, I've really not, been enjoying it. How about you? I mean, it's it's been the best for for my character. I think, mm -hmm. I think getting to actually role play a little bit is obviously what I like to do as a player. Yeah. And so it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I really think book one was really cool because it was all go all the time and it was very pulse pounding for me. But then to, you know, take a step back and really get to uh, play off of uh, some of these people that, you know, we don't play with every week. So it's fun. It's been good. So if you guys want to listen in, because you all should, if you like either of our shows, um, hop into the discord. And we'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, hop into our Discord. It's in all the episode descriptions. If you've listened this far, you should be in the Discord. Get in there. If not, we're disappointed. 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 All right, Griffin, it's time. We got to talk about the reason everybody gathered here today. And by other, everybody, I just mean me and you. The two of us? Yeah, yeah two of us. just the two of us. All right. Episode 107, 108, 109. We want, I want to take them episode by episode, talk about some of the bigger things that happen, and dive into some of these like 
weird mechanics that we got into, some of the uh, peel back, the... Uh, I don't know what the fuck... I'm not landing this metaphor, but, uh, you know, pierce the veil on some of these yeah. spells, see what, what was actually going on behind the scenes, how things sure. are working, and just talk about... Um, uh, heartbreak. So heartbreak. Yeah, for you. So first of all, we've got episode 107, rude, crude, rude. Basically, um, at the at at the beginning of this episode, we are putting the 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 tail end epilogue on the battle with um, with Doctor Saloom, aka Vivian Malice. We dole out some gear and basically head downstairs into this layer. This layer is dark. We're able to see with some light spells. I know there's people in our party with dark vision. Um, but there's something you mentioned here, and it's that this entire area has been uh, subjugated to a desecrate spell. So, what does that mean for this combat? So, what happens here is, obviously, all of your combatants are undead, mm-hmm. right? And desecra- desecrate, first off, it gives you a bonus against channeled positive energy. In this case, a plus three profane bonus. Okay. Uh, and then every undead creature entering a desecrated area gains a plus one profane bonus on all attack rolls, damage rolls, and saving throws. Now, this didn't really come into play, but if I... Well, actually, it did come into play with uh, Sawyer, which we can get to, but an undead creature created within or summoned into an area gains uh, plus one hit points per hit die. So you did get kind of the boost there. Oh, sure. Uh, also, Vrood could have like animated the whole party if he wanted to, because you get like a bunch more hit die per oh, level uh, to work with. So that's, uh, that's, that's what went into the whole basement being desecrated in terms of what actually played into the combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and and some uh, so so that's just like a, a constant buff that we really have no way to shut down. That it's just not right. Our you'd toolbox. have to consecrate it, and yeah. at that point, it's like that takes forever. Yeah, there's no way that's happening. Basically, it's it's a boon for them. Pretty difficult for for us. Just makes everything worse. Um, one of the first things that that you mention is that it appears to be some sort of temple of Ergothoa, mm-hmm. and. Um, I just, I, I just really was interested in that because, you know, we, we've talked about the tiebacks to some of our first episodes where there's that Ergothoa tome and then yep. how the Whispering Way has different cells in their organization that may not all worship the exact same thing, but they have similar goals. Um, so I'm like, oh, cool. This is like the Ergothoa division or at least one of the Ergothoa divisions. Mm-hmm. So cool to see her name dropped in there. Obviously pisses off Matumbe, um, but combat starts. Right. One of the first things that our good buddy Orinvrood does is he casts a spell called Cloud Kill. Now, I don't know how much of the mechanics we need to get into because we saw a lot of this mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in the combat. But I just got to say Cloud Kill was one of the most frustrating things here. Oh yeah, it's it's brutal. It's for you know, a party of your level mm-hmm. with the hit dice you have, it's still automatic con damage and you're making yeah. a save to take either a d4 or a d4 halved. Yeah, so I mean 
at minimum, you're walking away with one con damage every round you're in there. And we're we're not in a big map. I, I don't know how well that came across in the final product, but there were there was a large chunk of this map that was constantly covered by this cloud that is slowly rolling. Mm -hmm. It's not getting out of the way. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a forty foot um, diameter. It's a twenty foot radius spell, mm -hmm. and the the reason you were able to survive it is because a cloud killed kills anything lower than four hit die. Yep. If you're four to six, it's a fortitude save. And if you <laughs> succeed the fortitude save, you take the full con damage. If you fail, you're killed. Dear and God. then if you're higher than six, which you guys all are, you take the fortitude save to have the con damage. Mm -hmm. But it's tough because it's it's a concealment thing. Um, obviously, Vrood had a way to circumvent that but you guys didn't, and oh. it doesn't affect undead. Yeah, so basically they can just kind of hide in it. Exactly. Vrude uh, has no sort of concealments or anything. If we go in there, and this is pretty deadly in our party in particular because we're a very melee-heavy party. Right. I mean, even with the inclusion of a full other character, you got Sawyer in there. He's still a melee beast. Mm -hmm. So basically everybody... But Freya has to go in there. Yeah, if they want to deal damage or if, you know, if they're just buffing up outside, I guess. But yeah, um, very, very brutal. Um, we talked a little bit. This may have come up in a, in a later episode, but since we're talking about Cloud Kill now, I think it's worth bringing up. When a vampire dies or, or, or rather is defeated by the group, they turn into vapor. Mm uh hmm. And you got, a, you got a little trick thing going on here where we yep. go hide in the clouds. I didn't like it. It's impossible. Like, I would have I would have told you if you attempted to attack them in the cloud, it's impossible to find them in the cloud mm -hmm. when they've turned to gaseous form. And that's, in nowhere is that written as a rule, but it just makes thematic sense. It's like you turn to gas in a cloud of gas. There, there's no chance they're finding you. It's, it's literally if, like, a ghost was hiding in a cloud. What are you going to do? Right. There's no, there's no way. But like if the ghost was actually made of the same material as the cloud, <laughs> right? It's like, it's like if you're trying to find a, a straw, a piece of hay in a haystack mm -hmm. instead of a needle. So was this frustrating? Yes, but I, I agreed with it. it. It makes sense. Yeah. This episode basically wraps up with... Our party getting a little separated. We've got a big clump of us on one end. Sawyer in the middle. You got Matumbe, Eclipse, uh, Freya around him. Ikmer was trying to go around there. That might have saved him. Yeah. Because this episode ends with a spell being cast by Orin Vrood. And we are transitioning into episode 108, Death in the Clouds. Yep. So, I think most people know this, but what's the name of that spell? Uh, that's Circle of Death. And, and how does it work? Circle of Death, uh, you roll caster level D4s, and that determines how many hit die of creatures you impact by the spell. It can kill a creature up to eight hit dice. Mm -hmm. And once you're nine, you're immune to the spell. So it's a really mean spell for the writers to put in here. Um, and it's, a, you know, when I can, I mean, I completely rebuilt Vrood. Yeah. Uh, so we can talk about that after we talk about kind of how the episodes went. Sure. But it's a particularly mean spell for eighth level adventures where they know you're going to be eighth level. 
you center it at a point and it's 40 feet in all directions burst of death and it impacts first the creature with the lowest hit die in the radius mm-hmm. so, so, so so just for a second here all of the characters that were fighting Vrood, so our party plus Sawyer, were all eight hit die. Now, there's an alternate timeline of this where Anya comes along. And it would have affected would her have affected first. Her first, because yeah. she's seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, because everyone was the same level, he centered the burst on Sawyer. As you heard in the monologue in uh, 107, he's willing to let everybody go if he mm-hmm. can, if he can kill Saw. So he ha- he obviously has a vendetta against him, and so when he unleashes his big death effect spell, he does it so that Saw is a hundred percent going to be impacted by it. Yep. So the way the spell works then is from where you direct it to from the locus of the spell it radiates out and the next nearest creature to the point where the spell starts gets like gets impacted however he centered it in a way and you guys just happen to be placed in a way where it hits saw first and then it's equidistant to three characters now one of us did not get affected by this even though four of us were within the radius uh you said you could roll uh a caster level d4s what was that number you came up with? I rolled a 30. So with a 30, you could get three of us. Can't quite get the last yep, one. Yep, I would have needed a 32 to get four of you. And the way it works is it's not like, oh, you're close and there's some secondary effect. Mm. If you're the last one to get impacted and there's only six hit die left and you're, you have eight hit die, it just doesn't affect you at all. Yeah. So that's why once once Sawyer fell, uh, uh, knife through my heart, shot through my heart, whatever you want to say, um, then the, uh, the three of us, Haley, Emily, and myself, had to roll off to see who got lucky. I got lucky. I can't imagine if just in the very beginning of this episode, both of my characters died right there. That yeah, I mean, it, it could have happened. It's just... It's dice rolls. It was a DC twenty four to save. That's tough. It's tough. It's- I mean, mechanic. I, I'm I'm sorry to, to interrupt you for a second, but I've I've talked to everybody who was affected by this. I genuinely believe mechanically Sawyer had the best chance. He did have I, the best chance. You just rolled the worst. Yeah, I I I had a, a plus fifteen on my fortitude save. I was rolling two die. I threw a good hero card on there. With a with a seven, I got. A twenty-two, which is a pretty good is a pretty good save this level, but just not against this guy. So I'll tell you how dire it was for Freya, and this is part of the reason why I was nice. I was mm-hmm. like, if you're gonna burn all your hero cards, I know I have one more of these spells in my back pocket. Yep. So I let that happen, but she rolled a thirty-one with an eighteen. Okay. And she had double rolled and put a plus five on it. Without the plus five, she would have been at 26. She needed a 16 to succeed. Whew. Yeah. That's, without that's not the, easy. Without the plus five hero card and whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, she needed a she needed a 16 on the die to succeed. Those are not good odds. No. Not They're terrible odds. odds. I, I 
looking at the party, I thought Eclipse had the best chance because her fortitude is insane. Mm-hmm. And she had the death ward, which was giving her another bonus because it's a death effect. So I figured she was probably only at like a 25% chance of death. I think she confirmed that in the episode. She was like, I needed like a five. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was pretty high up there. Um, so, so Sawyer falls. We move on with combat. Um, I believe a couple of innervations are thrown around. Classic. Classic yeah, really just negative, yep. more negative levels adding to the pool of negative levels that this party has built up. And I knew these combats were coming back to back. And when I built Vrood and I prepared his spells, I prepared way more innervations than he normally would have mm-hmm. because I was like, yeah, they're going to be fucked coming in here. And when they start taking four negative levels, like I might be able to kill somebody with negative levels. Yeah. I mean, Think about it too. Enervation is is a very good one for this because obviously we're coming out of the monk fight where we're all probably before you even you know you were building this probably long before that monk fight. You probably knew we were coming out of there with negative levels. And look at our party, right? Igmer and Matumbe, their armor situations are virtually identical. Igmer has a lot more, obviously, but it's a it's a it's a pretty high AC, a pretty high flat footed, and an absolute dog shit touch yep <laughs> so and that's that's a, that's a roll a touch roll a touch attack um I, I could be very wrong about this but i feel like freya's probably similar i don't think she's like got a bunch of stuff that would boost her touch ac i could be completely talking out my ass but um i could be wrong about that um Sawyer definitely has a shitty touch, so if he had survived, Enervations would have been really effective against him. It's just a a good weapon to have against our party. And it's tough because a wizard with a vampire template gets physical stats, and so Vrood was no slouch at Mm -hmm. delivering a ranged touch attack or a melee touch attack. He had, had, what's the spell called? Real quick. It's not vampiric touch, is it? He did have vampiric touch, but he had uh, that comes up later. That does come up later. He had the he had the one that lets you like oh spectral hand. He had spectral oh, hand. Oh sure. On. So he cast spectral hand before you came downstairs, so he can deliver actual just touch attacks at a better bonus than he would be doing in melee mm-hmm. to you guys from thirty feet away. Ugh. Which I should have done with the animate dead, which we're getting to. Which is exactly how I was planning on transitioning here. That would have been a great way to get my buddy Saw Moon Isle back on his feet. Um, we touched on this a little bit in the episode, but this is this is something that he can do as a necromancer. Brings people back up, and then there's a mechanical way that that happens. Mm-hmm. It's cons very different from his charisma. Yeah, the the difficult thing is that Sawyer got brought back as a zombie lord. Mm-hmm. So he maintained his class levels. However, when you turn undead, a not only could Saw not transform into a were tiger like he normally would, he also can't can't rage. Can't rage. And his health is formed off of his charisma instead of his con, which Saw's charisma is a six. Six. So I think you you get a bonus with the zombie template and whatever to charisma, but it's still not huge. And so you were rocking even with the plus one health per hit die and whatever, like sub a hundred health. Yeah. I think you were like just under 90. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, that that's six, man. That comes from throwing the, the were-creature template on top of the tiefling that's already getting a hit for it. So my, my, it was just that shitty. And um, that, combined with the fact that he couldn't transform, combined with the fact that he couldn't rage, was 100% the reason that Matumbe is alive. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it, really, it really gimped that character. I mean, you're talking, like, Saw had the the what's the it's like the raging or whatever what's the um magical there's property on it the, he has the the, ra- the raging um i it might just be called i think it's furious Fur- furious, furious yeah, longsword he's a furious longsword he now can no longer use to get the uh basically the longsword gets a plus two enhancement bonus when you're raging and when he mm-hmm. can't rage like he's at a he's with a plus one sword like yeah he has great strength and whatever but it really gimped him like if I could have just taken your character sheet and played it as an undead and those things didn't apply it would have been game over. Oh it would have been a fucking slaughter. I mean we've seen how he went up against Ikmer in the past, and yeah, that came down to a slugfest. But there also wasn't in a level a level eleven uh, necromancer flying around during that fight, right? That like, can like heal him, and mm-hmm. among other things. Yeah, and that um, at that point, I had been saving all of Saw's rage powers too. Mm-hmm. So like, he could have made all of, all of his attacks, including his sword, flaming for like a few rounds. Um, there's some stuff that really, really would have hurt the party. I mean, it would have been the death of Matumbe and potentially one or more other characters. Yeah, I think Freya would have died if he was at full strength. Mm-hmm. Or it just would have been a slugfest with Ikmer and Ikmer wouldn't have been able to strike the killing blow. Yeah. It would have been tough. So, yeah, absolutely broke my heart, but I understand why this worked and i did think it led to some very good podcasting moments i mean you got a couple lucky rolls out of me too i think there were two rounds where i didn't roll above a five on saw and it was just like you know that's how i'm missing prone unconscious matumbe on the second swing we we definitely had a negative one or a a natural one on one of those attacks um definitely had something where i we like stopped recording i was like dude that I have no idea why why you're not hitting me right now. I need to like really look at this sheet. Yeah, and you missed it. Was, I think you had got like a natural three on that second attack, mm-hmm. and Tumor just had him by one. Yeah, just one. Well, yeah, I mean, because Sawyer is without any of his rage and all that stuff. Even his second swings like a plus nothing. Yeah, like a plus ten maybe. No, it's not. It's not. It's good. Not even. Yeah. Um. So. That was pretty wild, but there uh, and, and we spent spent a good amount of time on that. Eventually, um, eventually, undead saw gets put down. One of my favorite recent character moments uh, delivered by Emily with her. Um, I told you we were gonna put you down yeah. if you were gonna, yeah. if you were a threat. And she's crying. Oh my god, that broke my heart on the re-listen. I thought that was very well done. Um, but there was some other stuff that happened by the end of this episode. So eventually we do defeat Brood, but not before um, he tries to get another um, Circle of Death off. Yeah, so that was the last, I guess, caster level check or concentration check that he failed. His mm-hmm. cast defensively. Um but the first one was to get fleshworm infestation on Eclipse. Ooh, right boy. before he dominated her. Mm-hmm. He was going to do that and basically guarantee her dying. Yeah. With how much con she had left, 
Right. She would have died. Yeah. Um, miss yeah. that with, and you know, he's not going to miss her touch AC, but miss that with like a natural two. And these are higher level spells. So he needs like higher than a three or something. Yeah. So just, just fucking brutal luck for me on those higher level spells at the very end. Well, yeah, I mean, there was, there were, you're right that, um, I mean, Flesh Worm would have absolutely 100% confirmed that she was going to die. Um, we got we got the hungry pit going on here. Was it the hungry pit or was it just a different type of? It was pit? just a spiked pit, just, just but it was in pit. it was in the cloud kill. So yep. So she was stuck down there. She couldn't fly out. Done. Yeah. Um, and then I want to come back to the natural one on a cast defensive check. This was your second casting of. Um, uh, circle of death and obviously it's a very effective spell you took yeah. you took somebody out of combat immediately mm-hmm. with that one earlier tell me why you're such an asshole that you would save it for after everybody got so much con damage. that's exactly why yep. so so yep. i i prepared two and i used one early on to see if I could get lucky, basically, to see to see if I could knock a couple people out of the combat. Because if I could, then that combat becomes very different if I got all three of you, right? Yeah. But still getting getting Saw out of the combat was huge. Mm-hmm. And and then I knew you guys were gonna pursue him and he was gonna be able to use his telekinesis to pull you into the into the gas. Oh, I forgot I forgot to write that one down. That was Clever also use mean, of this. Yes, yes, also mean. But um I wanted yeah, I wanted you all to get con damage because it's a fortitude save. So I wanted I wanted everybody's con damage to be racking up because had I got that off, I think I would have depending on how high I rolled on that D on the D four track, I would have killed everybody that had to make the save. Oh, one hundred percent. Um we were I, I think some of us were talking about the use of that spell at that time when everybody had so low of con, mm-hmm. it would it would have been natural 20s. That's the only way we would have succeeded those checks. Yep. I mean, everybody's con was just absolute trash at that point. Awful. Yeah, it, I mean, literally luck of the dice there. I think I needed, I think I actually did need like, it's a, it's a level six spell. So I needed a, not a high number, but I needed like above a four on the on the cast defensively check and honestly looking back i could have five foot stepped and ensured it but every time i was doing these cast defensively checks i was just i felt like i had it in the bag and i wanted to do something with my movement yeah and because i you know all of these times he's he's like one-on-oneing somebody that's in melee with him and i just i want to be able to get out into the into the mist with my movement and it bit me in the ass hardcore but you know that's why I had Emily keep looking over into my tray because I couldn't believe my luck on the back half of that episode it was just so fucking bad I couldn't believe our luck on the back half of that episode either there I mean mathematically we we should have had one if not many more deaths so yeah, I well, mean math- mathematically, that was a TPK. Yeah, that fight was a TPK. You got lucky with Matumbe. You got lucky with the Circle of Death, and then, you know, he had more shit in the tank. Mm-hmm. 
It's yeah. just his health that was keeping him down. He, as, as evidenced by episode 109, he had more spells. Yeah, so actually, that's that's a, that's a pretty good point to transition to that episode 109, Don't Open Dead Inside. Basically, we're starting with a ticking clock here um, because Eclipse has only the amount of time that Matumbe gave her with that protection from evil to avoid being dominated until Brood can start commanding her. Yeah, Eclipse gets dominated, and honestly, that's the hardest save you guys faced. Yeah. DC 25. Oof! That's a high one. Um, yeah, so we take, so we don't know what's further down the tunnel. Um, we heal up and we head after Vrood. Griffin has just cracked into the second beer here, the, the seltzer. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I like the other one better, but it's pretty good. Glad to hear it. Um, so we heal up. We follow after uh, after Vrood, and we find this like Warren of wild shit. So, um, first room, big gem encrusted sarcophagus. Obviously this is the one that your necromancer wizard is going to be in clearly. Okay. So I want to preface this with like, I got a very nice, it it was very nice offhandedly Mm -hmm. comment on Reddit. So on our subreddit on this episode discussion, uh, that was uh, along the lines of, Wow, the you know the adventure writers did a really good job with with like these traps and this this basement area, and you know obviously that's all done by me. Yeah, <laughs> so I felt I felt a swell of pride at uh, at the way I set up the traps down here and kind of set up the area. So, uh, actually, last night we were talking a lot about this this trap and like how you felt it fit into the narrative mm-hmm. of like Vrood's lair. So, um, can 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 you explain that for the people at home? Why you put this here the way you did, and um, and what in your head canon it actually was intended for? So you guys go through a passage into this room with a resplendent coffin. But it looks like the wall's been, like, torn down Mm -hmm. in this area. So it almost looks like you're accessing an area you shouldn't have been able to access. So that's, like, trick one. And then you get to this resplendent coffin and figure, yes, there's going to be, like, this is where a powerful vampire would have their, like, they'd make their coffin the nice-looking one. Mm -hmm. Trick number two. It's basically the end of the Last Crusade right right here. Um, and so I use the trap, the soul trap in this spot because I was thinking as a, I mean, Frude's intelligence is 24. Mm-hmm. He is very smart, full wizard, uh, would think about these things. And I was thinking, how would he prepare for someone entering this crypt where he's vulnerable? And I thought, well, you know, you don't always expect a party of adventurers to come down. Sometimes you just expect like one vampire hunter to be chasing you down or one person tr- coming to try your, and your Van you. Helsing coming. Exactly. After, yeah. And so I set this trap up as like this trap eliminates that threat immediately. If you don't have other people with you, it just eliminates you. Mm-hmm. Your soul is trapped. It's over. Yeah. It's over Van Helsing. Right. But because you had a party for support, even though you got sucked into the soul gem, 
with good rolls, they were able to figure out like, oh, we just need to break the gem and we can get them out, get them out. Couple, a uh, couple points I want to make here. I still think that that is a smart move to make, even if a party is coming after him, because from a meta perspective, usually you only have one person who's pretty good in disabled. Yeah, you have party. one rogue. You got one and rogue. If you can't figure out how to get the rogue out of that gem. Then the next trap is happening. Yeah, it's happening regardless. They're just going to fuck it up. So had Matumbe been stuck in there, I mean, he still fucked it up. Let's be real. Yeah. But that chance to not fuck it up is gone. Um, also, had we not succeeded that check, I, I guess Matumbe would just be stuck in a rock for eternity. Yep. Or at least I, yeah. Something happens. Would have been dead. Yeah. But effectively just removed from the campaign. So that's very sad. Glad we avoided that. Um, but we go through this this layer. We finally come to what we can reasonably assume is Vrood's resting place. And we try and open the coffin. Uh, Mitsume fails his disabled device check. Yes, he does. Very terrible, uh, very terrible uh, display of any sort of skill check there um, and a negative energy trap goes off and you said yeah. you, we were going to hate you and you were right yeah I thought you might hate me for this one because it the the text of the trap and it's a, it's supposed to be a CR 14 trap I scaled way down the the um, the saves and uh, the perception DC and the negative energy damage it does um but <laughs> it says in the trap that it both harms the living and heals the dead. And so I wanted this one on Vrood's coffin because I knew if Matumbe fucks this up, Matumbe who's out of inspiration mm -hmm. for the day, if he fucks this up, then Vrood's back and Vrood still has spells. It immediately puts Vrood back in the combat. And that's where we're at. It, the, the combat starts right back up. At this point, what does Rude have left in the tank? Uh, he had his... He had one more sixth-level spell. He had one more fifth-level spell. Uh, and then he was running off of a couple of innervations and some, like, vampiric touch and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he had most of his... Um, you know, buff-like spells that didn't take long to get to him, and since he's higher level than you guys, even his minute per level stuff was was still still, still up. wide. Yeah. Um. So so he uses a couple of these spells. One of them he uses is Phantasmal Killer. Yeah. So Phantasmal Killer, he uses against Freya, and we have seen this before in an Evil Interlude. Yeah, on you, the have, show, you yes. have seen it. Um, you have in in your notes. Why wait this long? I think. Uh, as an intelligent undead, mm -hmm. Vrood is he's trying to get the most of you. He knows that when he goes down, he goes back to his coffin and he has this contingency strategy. Yep. So I held on to it because it's a very unreliable death effect. Because it requires two saves, it's yes, you will die, but it's just it's hard to pull off. You got to be real unlucky. Yeah, you got to be real unlucky. And so a, a really drained, really messed up party is where you can get a Phantasmal Killer off. And it happened to Freya because she 
got all up in his face with the negative energy when nobody else was damaging him. I would argue that the um, under five points of damage that Matumbe delivered was a game changer. I mean, you got to think about a vampire has fast healing five. So oh, yeah. You, you already, you have to be doing more than five damage around to even start to chip away at him. Mm-hmm. And when he's pulling shit out like vampiric touch against Matumbe and stuff and just gaining health, it makes this... I thought this was equally as equally as deadly potential as the um, as the prior room, even without the circle of death, because he still had innervations. He still had other shit to work with. And even even with his melee attacks, you guys were so weak that he could deliver a melee attack and give you a permanent negative or give you a temporary negative level. And because you were so drained up, like he could kill you that way. Well, yeah, and, and think about it. If if Freya and Eclipse don't don't survive, that effectively is a TPK. Because at, at that point, he just like hovers up in the corner and, and starts picking off Ikmer and Tumbe, who can do nothing. And even if we run, he can chase us and still be flying up. Yep. We're, it's, that's, a, that's a done deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he... I mean, he didn't even use some of his damaging spells. He was just using... Ooh. Do you, have, do you have any uh, any of those you'd like to share? I mean, he just had some standard shit like acid arrows and like he could deliver chill touch at a range. Okay. Uh, you know, it, not a ton of stuff because, again, his strategy was really like most of the strategies of bad guys that I run. Mm-hmm. If you if you haven't been picking up on this listener is that I like to do damage over time. I like to do I like the da- I like the threat to be against a pool of 16 versus a pool of 150. Mm-hmm. When I when I'm fighting, I want uh, I want your negative levels to be the scary thing. I want your uh, your con damage to be the scary thing because it's really hard with something like a wizard to out damage a party. It's yeah. ju- it just is. I mean, I, I'd have to make him evocation, which doesn't fit him at all, mm-hmm. and have him like slinging fireballs at people. And, and at that point, it's really difficult. Whereas with the necromancy and being undead and that focus, it was it was fun to see all the stops you can pull out of yeah. those kind of spells and and really you know fuck up a party that has taken some damage. Yeah, I mean you're you're one hundred percent correct. Flavor it works the best. Um, it's a necromancy draining. It's a necromancer draining life out of people, and you can't get more thematically perfect than that. So you were talking about how you quote unquote rebuilt Rude. Yeah. I, I think this has come up a, a decent amount. I mean, just me talking about that, that uh, Reddit comment that was mm-hmm. so offhandedly kind. Uh, all, all right. Calm down, Griffin. Calm down. No, it was. I mean, it was. It made me feel good. But, yeah, that's uh, nice. You know, we talked about how I've been, how I pretty much rewit, rewritten most of what happened in it post like the stairs of the moon. Mm hmm. And so, like, even characters like Acretia, the monk, like, I scaled up and changed. And with Rude, because we had him as a vampire, it didn't make sense for him to have levels in Agent of the Grave, the prestige class. So I made him a full wizard, and I kind of tweaked how he worked as a wizard. Mm -hmm. And I kept a lot of his signature spells. I think, you know, kudos to the writers here. Like, stuff like Circle of Death is perfect to have in right here because it's like an oh fuck moment yep 
and the party is the perfect level to be affected by it. But stuff like Mage Armor and Mirror Image were like left off of his list, and it's like, well, let's let's have those and buff him with those. And as a as a natural vampire, he gets so many buffs to natural armor and strength and stuff as well. He's a completely different combatant than he is in the book, and his ability to withstand something like a cloud kill as an undead versus have to fight around it as a living person in the original he still had cloud kill in the, in the original books but it's like he's kind of pushing that out at you guys and then standing back and waiting for you to come to him he's not hiding in the cloud yeah that makes sense so rebuilding him as a wizard giving him you know almost player character wealth because he's been built up for so long and we've we've built him into this overarching evil interlude thing so he's got like 10 years on the on the party Mm -hmm. just made sense and so he's he's just strong (laughs) i mean his his spell book has far more spells in it than than you should have as a level 11 caster not that he can cast more spells per day, but he just has more spells in his spells spell book because he's a fucking vampire mm-hmm. instead of just a dude. And so uh, he's had all the time in the world to gather these spells. Yeah, uh, I, I think it makes 100% sense. I understand the rebuilds. Uh, I'm a big fan of alternate histories and stuff. Um, we don't need to go into all of the um, the rewrites that you did for the character because I want to preserve um, you, know, you know the narrative of this character for people who haven't read through Carrying Crown um, there's just one thing I'd, I'd like you to disclose to the listeners in in the book how old is he? oh he's like 20 something <laughs> yeah and then in our version he's he's this old ass Hannibal Lecter type yeah yeah yep. To include him in the evil interlude, he kind of had to be right, and that's uh, and that's something else that is is pretty wild to me. That if you look at this string of episodes, um, so episode one hundred six, episode one hundred eight, one hundred nine, within four weeks of us putting out the podcast, we cleaned house on evil interlude characters. Yeah, yeah. Viv dead, Sawyer dead, uh, Orin Fruit dead. Mm-hmm. So. Lots changing. Good thing that's in the past. So, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Those characters are still alive, and in the past, in our in our interludes, so. in our hearts forever. It's true. Never forget. Just wait till one eleven, listeners. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, so we're recording this after um, the team has put together episodes one ten and one eleven don't want to talk about anything that happens in any of them but i will just say uh 111 is probably one of my top five hlp episodes of all time that really it, it's a good one i think you guys will really enjoy it not gonna say what happens but it's it's nice it's nice he says with a smile on his face it's nice it's it's very sweet um 
can't, can't I want I want to talk about it anymore because I don't want to I don't want to ruin anything. All but right, well, you guys don't drink too much. You guys will enjoy it. Well, I already did finish the nine percent. Start gushing I'm about on, it. I'm on that. I'm on that Wolf Ridge kick. The Wolf uh, Ridge. Wolf Ridge. Oh, aren't you so happy? We're getting. We're at this point. The listeners have heard us almost finish book three. You're gonna be done saying Wolf. Yeah, I will. I will. I will like that. I think I bring that up in 111 as well. Yeah, I'm done getting roasted every week. Tired of getting roasted. No. Uh, all right, let's let's get this over with. Um, let's talk. To, let's do listener questions. How does that sound, Griff? Yep, sounds good. Okay, our first one comes from our great buddy. Um, you know him on the Discord as Ten Lawn Gnomes. You know him IRL as Eric. Would you rather be quarantined in Lepidstat or Sandpoint? Hmm. Uh, good question. Yeah. What do you think, Griff? Leopard step for sure. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, I think you're going to be in a better building than you would be in Sandpoint. If you're quarantined there, mm-hmm. you're going to be stuck in a building. Yep. Uh, I mean, Leopardstadt is a city. Sandpoint is a shitty town. Yep. Uh, fuck Sandpoint for being a hub of so many things in Paizo. Whoa. Whoa. It's just annoying. It's fucking annoying. It's not really that interesting. Cut the mic. Cut the mic. Um, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm actually going to say I'd, I'd okay, prefer Sandpoint. Okay, Mister. I played all the uh, listen. Rise and return. Listen. Um, I prefer Sandpoint, and not not because you know You're it's quarantine. Remember, so I know. Enjoy being in your apartment over the hagfish. Hey, well, you know what? There's actual real bars in Sandpoint, and you don't have to get uh, get drunk on hard cider like those. Uh, there's real you know. bars in Leopardstadt. You just didn't go to them because you had three days. <laughs> um, no, the reason the reason I would there's, take a, there's an academy in Leopardstadt, a whole university. Mm. What is there in Sandpoint? Oh, okay. Well, uh, do they have online classes? Because you're not learning anything then. I mean, everybody's just scrying in. All right, you got me on that one. That's that's fair. That's fair. Um, I would I would say Sandpoint because um, there's a lot of beaches. And I could I could socially distance myself on a beach and enjoy the surf. Maybe I'll get murdered by my goblins. I don't know. But Sandpoint's always getting attacked by something. That's true, but I'm also not gonna get dragged away in the night by a possessed beast. Neither are anybody else in Leopardstad at this point. Well, I mean you we're not establishing the time thing. frames you here. Out the big thing. We're not establishing time frames here. Um yeah, like I also don't want to. I don't want to quarantine in the bog in Hergstag or anything. But I, they said Leopardstadt, so you're in the fucking city. There's shit to do in the city. You could be distant. You have a much better accommodation. There's Uber Eats. Good luck finding any of that in. Uh, Is in there? Well, somebody gr- will deliver your food for sure mm. if you ask. If you pay. Mm, okay. Okay. I recognize all your arguments, and I think they're very valid. I just think uh, Lepstead is dreary. I don't want that. I need that in my life. If I'm already depressed. Yeah, Lepstead is dreary following a series of murders in Sandpoint. (laughs) Well, at least it's bright out in Sandpoint when people are getting killed. Lepstead has its days, okay? It's not not the city's fault that fucking the Whispering Tyrant attacked the entire region. I mean, yeah, it's not its fault, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Listen. I I feel like you're you're placing your three day experience. All right, there. let me let me let me put it to you this way: Which place would you rather be in, like Transylvania, or like 
a breezy California coast town. It's not a fucking breezy California coast town. It's a breezy California. It has sand in the name. You are full of shit. It is sand in the name. You're so full of shit that I can see it coming out of your mouth. That's foul. It's all all the way up your neck. That is foul. It's coming out of your eyes. We got sand in the name. Breezy. Catch some surf. Yeah, they fight also, off some goblins. It's also coarse and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Oh, don't you dare use that against me! <laughs> it's coarse and irritating, gets everywhere. Unlike you. All right, so agree to disagree on this one. I guess we're gonna have to agree um, to disagree. Yeah, I did not think this is the the one we'd fight on today because I think we're gonna come to blows over the last question. Yeah. <laughs> Next one coming up uh, from Barely Claire. Steve, if you had to pick between Shaq and Matumbe as your sugar daddy, which would you choose? Um, Shaq because he's real. Shaq uh, because he's real and has real money. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And he wouldn't be um, constantly forcing his religious dogma on. And is actually charismatic. Yeah. And exactly. Have you seen the the video of of Shaq with like his sons in like the middle of the night, just like bumping club music in their kitchen? Yep. Like, let's imagine that we're back in the last question, and I'm quarantined in Sandpoint, but I get to hang out with Shaq. Great. Yeah, that'd be the one good thing about Sandpoint. <sighs> Call it Shaq Point. Well, yeah, that's what it would be named if Shaq lived there. Yeah. They wouldn't call it fucking Sandpoint when Shaq lives there. I go to the Rusty Dragon, I would get a Shakaroni pizza. It wouldn't be called the Rusty Dragon either. Be called the Shacky Dragon. It'd be great. Um, all right, next question from Yiffin McElroy. I'm not sure if this has been asked before, but what piece of advice would you give to someone starting a podcast? Oh boy, well, there's a lot of advice. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it depends on the podcast. I'm going to assume for the sake of this question that they're asking about the kind of podcast we do. Some sort of live. Some sort of like yeah. TTRPG something. Some sort of, yeah, actual play. Because my advice might be different otherwise. But um, I'd say if you're doing it by yourself, you got to level your expectations for yourself. If you're doing it with other people, you have to make sure all of your expectations are in a similar place. Mm-hmm. I think if... If we had expected the world, you know, once we launched, we would have been severely disappointed and probably disheartened and stopped early on. It's something that takes time, it takes time to find an audience, it takes time to build a following, um, it takes a lot of different skills that you probably don't have going into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did not. And we did not have. But you need to set the expectation that, Hey, I'm not going to be like in the TTRPG sense. Like I'm not going to be the next critical role, or at least I'm not going to be the next critical role in the next like fucking three years. I'm going to have to grind at this thing forever. And there's already examples of people that have succeeded at this and they've already, you know, they have things that you don't have. As a podcaster, I assume you're not on our Discord asking us a question if you're a famous actor or <laughs> if you have like uh, connections. You're probably not talking to us. And so I'm going to assume you don't have any of that. And you, you have to realize that some of the people that hit it really big do so 
because they're the first or because they're uh, or because they have those type of connections. But if you're trying to do this, you're the 400,000th and you don't have those connections. And so don't expect to be that big right away or maybe even ever. It's just going to let you down. You yeah. really have to just enjoy doing it. And and if you enjoy doing it, then hopefully that makes it okay when your first five months you only have a thousand listens. Yeah, it, it, exactly. You, it can't going into a market that's so flooded as ours is um, you need to come at this with the attitude that it, it doesn't matter if five people listen every week or 500 people listen every week you have to enjoy it the same um, because yeah we had a we had a, we had a pretty slow start but it didn't dissuade us because we were getting some good feedback from the community and people that we cared about and stuff. People were listening, not like out of pity, but because they were genuinely interested in what we did. So um, to have some good positive feedback, even though our download numbers weren't great, was very validating. And we were very satisfied with that. And um, are we the most popular Pathfinder actual play podcast? Absolutely not. Will we ever be? Probably not. But I'm very content with the fact that we have a solid base of listeners who genuinely care about what we do. And that makes us happy. And that's all you can really ask for. The, um, the, the piece of advice I would add is that if you are going to go into this, um, with other folks, uh, just like Griffin said, make sure you communicate your expectations and that you guys are, on the same on the same footing, you understand what it's going to be and what you're trying to get out of it. Um, but don't go into it with people you like. Go into it with people that you love, because it is going to um, put some strain on some relationships. You guys are going to argue about things. Not everybody might um, agree with a creative decision or with where exactly we're going. But you need to be able to say, you know what? I trust that you're taking this in the right direction. And I trust that, um, that together we're going to get through a bunch of nonsense because if you can't trust the people that you're with, it's not, it's going to be too stressful on you. You're not going to enjoy it. So I think, uh, going into this, we were lucky that we kind of made the decision that the five of us were close already and we're going to go into this because if I was just going into it with people that I liked I would hate them all by now yeah I would hate them all but yeah, you because, definitely... because we're close enough that we have that trust and we have that respect and we have that communication um, where I could tell Griffin if something happens like Griff that sucked like this is this is we, we need to talk about stuff and he doesn't take it personally like right. you need to have that trust and that love for each other well, and you find the longer you do it, the less those kind of conversations happen. 100%, yeah. I mean, I I can't count on one hand the amount of times we've even had, like, a conversation that was like, we need to do, you know, we need to change this. Mm -hmm. But still, you need to be able to be open to that if it's a thing. Yeah. And, you know... It sounds like if you're coming... If you're, if you're coming to an actual play podcast and asking this question... You might be the the game master if you were to do this, and for you, I would say best of luck. Uh, you're gonna have the weight of the the show on your shoulders for a bit until it until it really takes off. 
because you're a game master and that's how you're you know that's probably the type of person you are you probably won't relinquish the editing rights for a while you'll probably want to edit everything and make sure that like everything that came out was right and that sounded good and you're gonna have to let go yeah i i I think that's something that we worked through early on too was that you had your hand in every single facet of the podcast, every social media account, every, mm-hmm. um, all, all of the editing was done by you. All of the prep obviously was done by you. You were talking with everybody about their characters and that kind of stuff. Um, in addition to just running the game. Yeah. Cause you were, you were definitely spear spearheading this thing. And there got to a point where it's like, Griff is doing so much fucking work. Like we need to start delegating Yeah, because, because it's not fair to him, even though that you, maybe you want to make sure that everything hits the, your expected standard of quality mm. and what you wanted to get out of it. But you have to have that trust in your fellow, uh, fellow podcasters that you're with here that, um, you're not gonna let us. We're not gonna let you down, man. Yeah, I mean, I think to Steve's earlier point, as the game master, you just have to start letting that stuff go because you will find yourself in a spot where you spend a second job's worth of work yeah. doing a show, and everybody else shows up for two hours a week, and they get the same recognition as you. That's do the, not do not fall into that trap. That's because. just gonna that, that just breeds contempt. Exactly. Like you're just, you're just gonna be always. It makes you feel yeah, shitty the whole yeah. time. It's like, and when and when somebody else can step up and edit, and somebody else can you know figure out the social media stuff, and you can just be a GM that that just happens to be a GM for a actual play podcast. The world just becomes a better place. So just do that it, because it's definitely a pitfall we had at the beginning that we course corrected quickly. Yeah. And it, and then it became a very good experience for every one of us instead of like a, you know, a hectic thing for one and then a good experience for everyone. And, and, and from a like higher macro perspective on that, think about if, if you are the player that's getting into an actual play podcast, think about what, what that's going to do for the story. If your GM is stressed out, frustrated at you, and is spending all of their time managing social media and doing um, doing the editing and stuff, guess what? All of that time that they're spending on that, they're not prepping for your next encounter. They're not uh, thinking ahead to the rest of the story. So when, you know, take that stress off your GM, let them focus on making the show good and take the other, take the administrative bullshit off them. Yeah, and it works way better that way. You can do way more stuff. I think that kind of answers it, though, for an actual play. I mean, hit us up on Discord. You're obviously on there. If you need any, you know, gear advice or any of that shit, we can get into the nitty gritty about that. But yeah. I think those are those are really the high level. Like, here's what you need to start. I mean, record it on a on a cell phone if you want to for the first couple of episodes. Just make sure that's season one. Yeah. <laughs> have a good jumping Use off. Use that point. as a tester. Yeah. Have a good then jumping off the point right way. When you have when you have good gear so that uh, those people that want to jump into your podcast can actually do so with good audio quality. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah, that, that probably, that probably sums that up. We only have one more question tonight, Griff. Yeah. This is going to be the heavy hitter. I think unless we land on the same page on this one, I really don't think we are. Um, this one comes from Buster Knuckle. Simple question. Vampire werewolf. Uh, three, two, one, go. Three, two, one, say it. Okay. Three, two, one. Vampire. 
Wow. I thought you were going to go werewolf. No. Wow. Okay. Werewolves are not as fun. At I, least at least in a TTRPG setting. Okay. I don't like them as much. It's You see it in this p- past book how much fun the combat was with the vampire versus how much of a slog it was with a bunch of werewolves. They just don't yeah. get cool enough shit. I don't disagree with that. I think um, in general, I'm more attracted to the vampire mythos than I love uh, the vampire mythos. Uh, I mean, the vampire, like if you like the werewolf clan politics and shit mm -hmm. that we introduced in this book, you are going to love the vampire shit that's coming. Yeah. And I guess that that's a fair point. What I really, really liked about book three wasn't necessarily that there were people that turned into glorified feral dogs. It was that, they all had specific clans and those clans all had their ideals and they clashed with other clans that had different ideals. That was interesting to me. Not the fact that they got silvered. And dark. Yeah. I mean, think about a political structure that spans generations of people. There you go. And that makes for like the intrigue in a vampire setting much more interesting because I, th- I feel like hierarchies and, and uh, established cultural norms are just like cemented for vampires and take a very long time to change and so changes like changes like the San Andreas fault for for like a political vampire drama because it's they've just lived so long 300 years something could have been in place before it finally gets changed and you know you could you have a leader that never dies. It's like, how yeah. do you how do you swap out the leader of the vampires? Well, uh, you rise up and kill him, or or you work under him. Yeah, and with with those sort of lifespans, um, you have the opportunity to have intrigue that spans humanity generations. You know, people can get patient if they if they want to upset the leader, they don't have to do it today. They can needle and work at it until 300 years later. Then you can have your it's all building to this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, werewolves, on the other hand, you know, primal, brutalistic. Cool. Sure. Yeah, definitely. But, cool. Uh, and I, I love the addition of all the other types of lycanthropes. Oh, I mean, yeah, that, that definitely that has my heart, like stuff like werebears and that kind of stuff are, are very interesting to me because they play very differently in a tabletop setting because they can be a good character or they could, they could be like the Smokey the bear of the woods. And it's just an interesting take, but they don't, there's not enough substance there that, that makes me want to like, I could run a whole vampire campaign, man. And it yeah. would be fun as shit. Like vampire, of the masquerade exists. So does, like a werewolf setting in White Wolf, but it has to rely on shit like cowboys <laughs> to make it cool. Yeah, which where, is very where cool. It's like the vampire shit kind of stands on its own. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think we're. On the, I guess we're on the same page with this one, man. When uh, when you watch the Underworld movies, who are you cheering for? I sure as hell ain't the Lycans. Well, it's Michael, but oh. all right. Well, I I mean. I do like them in I do like the Lycans in Underworld because they're definitely the underdogs. Yeah, but they're not as cool, man. They're pretty fucking cool. I mean, like the when you get the whole like vampire hiding hunting UV shit mm-hmm. going on, like that's crazy cool. Yeah, but then you counter that with 
the bullets that leak silver, uh, molten silver or whatever. Right. I mean, that Very shit's cool. cool, too. Yeah. Oh, we should watch Underworld. Yeah, we probably should. It's <laughs> a good one. It's, it's cool when they fight. I, I do like the settings where they mm-hmm. fight, and I but I like the settings more where they they kind of just coexist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see it in what we do in the shadows, right? The vampires are can all be very different, and the werewolves are kind of all the the people that behave kind of like dogs and are like super positive and whatever. Mm-hmm. I love how they they defeat the one werewolf, and, like throwing uh, the chew toy off the off the building, just, just dives off the building. <laughs> It's amazing. Well, Griff, uh, I, I, I do want to say to the folks listening at home, thank you for tuning in for another installment of The Zone of Truth. Um, I'll say also that I do have a fair amount of questions in the tank, but not a whole lot of recent ones. So if there's anything that you want to ask Griff and myself or any of the guests, feel free to reach out to us on our Discord. There is a channel, Questions for Zone of Truth. Just throw them in there. They'll get on the show eventually. I need some new ones because uh, I don't want to keep digging deep for questions that I've been avoiding for six months. So. <laughs> Ooh, the, the bottom of the barrel, the scuzz at the bottom. No, and, and uh, I'm, I'm not like throwing shade on people that ask questions today. I'm just saying that I haven't gotten a lot lately. And so I've had to go to some of our questions I've been sitting on for a while. So uh, give me some new material. It could be anything. Well, maybe... More about White Castle. We didn't talk about it enough at the top. Not enough at the top. I mean, the the political dynamics of uh, fast food restaurants rival even those of vampires. <laughs> would you? Would it be safe to say that maybe in an underworld fast food setting, White Castle is like a vampire and Crystal is a werewolf? Mm, see, that's kind of tough because I feel like you're like McDonald's, Wendy's, and shit are the vampires. Let's let's forget they exist. I'm talking I'm talking sliders today. <laughs> From everything I've heard, they're the exact same goddamn restaurant. It's the same restaurant <laughs> like with mustard. Anyone, anyone that's had both has said they're like the same fucking thing. Listen, I take a hard stance against Crystal, but it's only because I've never had it. <laughs> But that said, yes, Chris, well, Crystal is like the villagers in the town. Hey, you know, what? maybe he has like a Van Helsing or two, but, you know, then then the the White Castle is the vampires. I'll take this one further. If anybody's listening at home and is from the south and wants to send us some Crystal Burgers in the mail, we'll try them. Oh, no, we won't. No, yeah, no, we'll try them. No, we can't try mail burgers. We have against mail burgers. They've been in the fucking mail. You know our, you know our uh, fucking fan base is not going to send them in like a fucking freezer bag. They're going to send them in like a, the sack they bought them in. <laughs> Just put, put a fucking stamp on it. Put a stamp on the bag. Nothing perishable in here, sir. Fair. The postal service, very skeptical. It's, it's like anyone that's tried to send us alcohol so far. Mm. It's like... Nothing to see here. This is just a box. Don't know what you're talking about. There's, There's no liquids in, in here. There's a lot of bubble wrap here. All right. Yeah. Uh, so hit us up on the Discord with more questions. Hit us up on the Discord if you need an address to send some crystal burgers to. And in the meantime, Griff, is there anything you want to tell the people at home? Uh, just finish your drinks because we'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.